tell stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Macca. Well, at the moment I'm out at beautiful downtown Cullingully, and it's almost perfectly calm. There's about two mile an hour breeze, I suppose, just enough to make the tree leaves move. It's peaceful. There's no vehicles on the road and it's a real serene, slightly dry, looking for a bit more rain as always, but it's a good part of the Riverina. How's things in Kynan, Paul? Uh, we're good, the town's good, it's, um, we're all, everyone's a bit nervous, Macca, about what's going to happen, it's not if and when, it's, we know it's coming, it's just a matter of batting them down and doing all the bakes, looking after your family and your friends and as you said earlier, like it's, you've got to look, everyone looks after their family, but we've got to be a bit more kinder to our friends and I think that's what, this, I hope if anything comes out of this, as we stand up as uh, proud Aussies, and I think that's something that's been short for a while, and yep. I hope this brings us together. We may have to start exporting even more products than we've done in the past. Look, I see, as terrible as it sounds, I see it's an opportunity for Australians to come together, support the medical fraternity, and support their farmers, because the two most important people on the planet are the, are the doctors and the farmers. Because without doctors, we can't get better, and without farmers, we can't eat properly. Everyone just could be nice to each other, eat your two and five every day, keep healthy, and make sure you stop fighting over dunny paper. But I love Sunday morning, switch on and lie back in bed. The city, the scrub, and the farmer in the pub, they love it all over Australia. There's a radio show that Australians all know. If you're rich or you ain't got a cracker. They tell stories so grand of this vast, timeless land and they call it Sunday with Macca. They all call it Sunday with Macca. Yeah, they all call it Sunday with Macca. Get on with it, Macca. I will. Good morning and welcome to the age of COVID. Uh, we all know about it. We've had some interesting calls already this morning. Wayne and Bev have been ringing us for the last uh, two, three weeks. They're on the Coral Princess. They were headed for Fort Lauderdale. They couldn't dock at Fort Lauderdale. Um, and now they, uh, they're docked in at Miami. But um, there's been 12 cases on board. There's 78 Australians on board. There's been 12 cases and two deaths, which started. So they're all locked in their cabins now. It's... Uh, it's almost, it's carnage, isn't it, on these cruise ships? I mean, really. I mean, you won't get me on a cruise ship anytime soon. I'll tell you that right now. But uh, lots of nice calls and people doing all sorts of things. Uh, Roger was uh, in Wakery and he told us about the Regent's Parrots. They're doing research on Regent's Parrots and trying to see what's, you know, they have three babies, three eggs, but a lot of them don't don't survive, you know, past uh, youngsters. But... Um, I proffered the idea that it's really about habitat. If you keep destroying habitats for farms and all sorts of things, I mean, there needs to be a balance. But, um, you know, there's a lot of carnage on the way, regions, parrots, a lot of parrots. Yeah, I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do about it. But Roger and his friends have um, got a regions, parrots, um, you know, care group, if you like, and they look after and they put little little things on them and see where they go and what they do and all that sort of stuff. Fred was in Canberra and he said there's markets on today at Belconnen and I said I wondered why or how they were going to do that but he seems pretty sure they've got government permission he seems pretty sure that it's uh, it'll be all right as farmers markets so farmers I suppose have to have a place where they can sell their oranges and whatever. But um, there's all sorts of things uh, this morning. I've got um, a lot of emails. I've been going through our back pages, which I love to do, and I've found some lovely letters and bits and pieces. I've got a lovely while I live where I live. 
I came across an interview I did with a bloke called uh, Ivan Ivan Lawson, who was Curly, his, uh, his name was, and he's Henry's nephew. So he's Henry's brother's boy. And a lovely story. And the way he talks, he's like he was born in about 19, uh, when, 1910 or something like that. And the way he talks and the way people used to talk, um, our language has changed and our our style of speaking has changed. Our accents have changed, haven't they? And, so, and it's interesting to listen to that. Very interesting. All sorts of stuff. Lovely poem by um, Kath Walker, Ujiru of the New Knuckle Tribe. Yeah, you'll meet a, a friend of mine. Well, she's not a friend of mine. I, I, I don't think I ever met her. She may have rung the program. Her name was Chloe Muller. A lovely, lovely lady. Um, and she'll talk about Daisy Bates and uh, all sorts of things. And you, 1300 700 222. G'day, this is Macca. G'day, Macca. Mark, you're, uh, Mark Campbell, your rowing correspondent, mate. Oh, how are you, mate? Where, how are you, mate? where are you? What are you doing, Marky? I'm, I'm sitting on Middle Harbour in a single skull. I've just had my celebratory row for the end of Rotten Daylight Savings. And uh, first time I've been in a single skull for about two years, actually. It's uh, been a steep learning curve again, but I'm just getting the hang of it. Now. It's beautiful, actually. It's just perfect out here. I know. It's a sunny morning. I went out on, look, I, I went out on Sydney Harbour years ago in uh, in a double um, surf ski with a, a bloke, uh, Bruce, um, and... Uh, and I couldn't believe how quiet it was on the harbour. I mean, I know it was in morning, it was, but it was about eight o'clock or something, eight or nine o'clock. But there was very little, very little traffic. Well, I can never work out why there's not ten thousand people out here. Actually, I always find that interesting because it doesn't take that much to get out. And you know, a single skull, once you get used to it, it's just it's the most beautiful way to get around. I, I haven't, like I said, for two years, but there's no crew rowing at the moment, so. There's only single skulls, and I hadn't done it for a while, so I've just grabbed a club boat. And oh, aren't you like? It's beautiful. It is, it is really beautiful. You know, it's an interesting time, but at least you can get out and get a bit of fresh air and uh, out here, and it hasn't changed out here, I tell you. It's good. Mark, you need to give us a bit of perspective. I don't know what to say to Australia, really, about this. Uh, just, you know, platitudes like it will pass and it will, and we just got to knuckle down and do it, but uh, I, I can't see an end to it, well, um, Mark? Uh, well, I think there is. I think there will be an end point. I, that's the great thing for us, different to a depression or a war. I think, you know, there will be a vaccine. There's a, there's probably blokes listening right now and women who have done unbelievable work. They're pulling 20-hour shifts, and, you know, I think that's that's... That, that's, I think that will happen. I think that that's probably an accepted fact that we'll get a vaccine. In the meantime, it's it's tough, and those of us who can work and can keep the place going have just got to knuckle down. And you're doing a great job, mate. Radio <laughs> as usual. I'm sure I've been listening to the the app all the way. It's fantastic. I can't usually do it in the crew boat because it distracts everybody. And everyone wants um, to talk. Yeah. Yeah, everyone wants to have a chat. But in the single skull, I've got you on the radio. And it's just superb. I've just had a great morning. <laughs> did you Did you hear Wayne and Bev on on that Coral Princess? They've been on that boat for yeah, yeah, weeks yeah, and yeah, weeks I'm, and I'm, weeks, and now they're in Miami, but they can't get Miami off. Miami waiting to come back. Yeah, I heard that. And I just and oh, your heart goes out to those people. But yeah. when I when I spoke to them last week, they said, uh, "Oh, look, no." I said, "Are you in lockdown?" "Oh, no. We can wander around the boat, and everything's fine." And since that time, twelve cases of COVID on board, two deaths. I mean, how would you like to be on board that little, you know, they're, they're like, what was that, uh, yeah. the, the cruise of, there was a film about it, wasn't it? The, the, and there was a, there's a story about Cape Horners. There was this boat that uh, rounded Cape Horn and everyone was on board, had gone or had been washed overboard. And this sh- ship just, it was called a ghost ship. And that's, oh yeah, and, it's, yeah, and, it's, and it's a bit like that, isn't it? I mean, oh, yeah, dear those poor guys are stuck in their rooms, and those those hard surfaces, you know, the virus lives for such a long time. 
uh, we're, we're still going to work, but you know, we're spraying alcohol all over the place every day, you know, so everyone walks in and we're trying to see, see as many people outside as we can. And yeah, it's it's really it's it's a tough time, man. but it will pass. Um, it is a platitude, you're right, but you know, there are some amazing people in our country as well as overseas doing some. You know, some great work. They'll get there. We'll get there. Yes, yeah, somebody's written to me. Um, I don't know. I've got a pile of emails here. Somebody's written to me and said, Ian, really need to get a, a, a think tank on this. I don't know who the people are, he said, in charge and advising government, and they might be nice, but there's a lot of people around the place, engineers and stuff, who, who look at problems with a completely different uh, way and come up – because engineers, they're those sort of people that, that think outside the – box if you know what i mean and maybe we need a, it's like a that famous old ad with uh, engineers they make things happen don't they? So yeah. that's, that's the point about it. it was great but my mate he's an in, uh, i just he's down running with me this morning he's an intensivist uh, professor Nyberg, and he, he he said things are working so far so well you know we we really the hospitals are eerily quiet because it is actually working we've got there's 20 people on in intensive care australia wide you know compare that to the situation in so many other countries yeah yeah, Italy lost sixteen intensive care specialists alone. I know, and that's the thing that the doctor—they're huh? the people on the front line, the doctors and nurses and people who work in the hospitals—and they've, yeah, yeah they're, huh? you, you just can't lose those people because you know, they're irreplaceable. You can't train a doctor. Well, there's twenty years of training to make one of those guys. Yes, you know, exactly. That's, that's, I know with John, it's the same, you know. But yeah, you know, we'll get there, mate. It's, if you can get out occasionally on the water, I'd, I'd advise it to anybody. I'd, I had a big weight lifted off my shoulders this morning. I'm still as rough and bad as I sometimes am, but, you know. Actually, I had a good, uh, thing, a good tip for anyone who are listening. I, when I stopped and turned around, I took my feet out to stretch for a bit, and then I rode back with my feet out. It's a really great exercise. just suddenly made the row a whole lot more enjoyable. So <laughs> you, just re- you just rest your feet on top of the shoes instead of in the shoes, if that makes sense, you know. Yeah, yeah it sort of does. Yeah, just... <laughs> <laughs> You go out in the water very easily too. <laughs> Good on you, Mark. Thanks for your call, mate. Great to talk. G'day, this is Macca. Hey, Macca. It's Wayne and Bev and the Coral Princess. How are you today? Wayne and Bev, I'm, I'm all right on the high seas. What? Where are you and what are you doing? Well, it's been a traumatic week. Um, we, we pulled into Miami this morning. We are docked at Miami. Uh, nothing has happened. Um, on Tuesday, we all got uh, quarantined to our rooms, and, and then um, we pulled into Barbados to get some uh, supplies, and there was some uh, corona um, virus tests undertaken. And from that, they found that there are t- we had 12 people on board. Um, seven um, guests and five crew had the virus. So, um, unfortunately, last night or this morning, we were told that two of those guests had passed away last night. And uh, we're now in Miami Airport at Miami um, Dockside. We were refused to come into Fort Lauderdale. And um, we're, uh, Princess are now just working through trying to get us off the ship and on a plane home uh, so that we can do another 14 days of quarantine when we get there. Wow, Wayne and Bev, it's um, yeah. I mean, just I just think of the all the planes coming into Australia because they've asked for uh, for Australians to come back. Um, 
So it's going on. As I drive around the city, I see soldiers and police outside various hotels who are guarding those hotels. So people are being locked down in hotels, but um, there'll be more of that to come. How many Australians on board uh, the Coral Princess, Wayne or Bev? We have 78 um, Australians and there's 18 New Zealanders. Uh, we included them in all of our uh, meetings and uh, get-togethers. Yeah, so uh, none of those have got uh, COVID or seem to have COVID? We we don't believe so, Maka. Um, we know that one of the deceased was from California. We don't know any other details. Um, the captain um, has been very forthcoming in letting, alerting us to the situation before it becomes public knowledge so that we're all on the same page. Um, but it's, it's obviously very stressful. We had what we thought was a clean ship. Um, we have a, This is the first dock that has welcomed us in over 20 days. So we've been you know, pretty well on our own for 20 days and all of a sudden we get COVID, which was um, a shock to everyone. Um, but, you know, the, the ship is, uh, well, we are, we're doing what we have to do. See, the problem with this uh, COVID virus is that it uh, can just uh, be with people who show no symptoms, but they can pass it on to other people. And so that's the deal. That's the whole terrible deal. So when people talk about physical distancing, they're exactly right. And, you know, I know people complain about it, but there's no no need to complain. The only way you're going to defeat this is with physical distancing, uh, Wayne and Bev. So you're locked in your room. Hopefully uh, you'll get on a plane. Is there any likelihood of that in the next day or three? Um, we believe there's some flights. United are running out of San Francisco. Um, we believe Qantas have been underwritten along with Virgin Australia to um, run commercial flights and any shortcomings in profit uh, the government will make up. So we're hopeful. Um, Princess are actually doing all of the bookings for us. They're, they're getting us home. Um, they're organising all of our land and air travel at their expense. Um, our luggage was, we had to pack our bags this morning after we come into port uh, so that it could all be sanitised. We then, when we leave the ship, we'll pick up our luggage. It will be then, and we go through American customs or immigration, it'll then be re-sanitised. We get onto a sanitised bus and we go to the airport. And we only go to the airport when um, we're due to fly out. Yeah, of course. You're... So the ship is here awaiting yeah, well, they, uh, last night they got rid of some uh, ships, some some cruise ships from uh, uh, Port Sydney, I think, or was it Saturday night? Yeah, they got rid of some ships, but um, you're almost like pariahs now, the ships and, and the people. It's it's a strange time, Wayne, but uh, look, I don't know about your experience, but I ne- was never interested in going, um, going cruising, um, but after this experience, I'm not sure that, look... It's a funny thing to be trapped on a boat where nobody wants you and you can't get off. And uh, yeah, but you, you keep your keep your spirits up, Wayne. Um, yeah, it'll it'll it will pass. But uh, it's just you've got to be strong, I suppose. And and that's not easy, is it? No, no. Um, it's just a matter of getting home now. And um, you know, we and we'll be we're aware of the isolation when we get home. But I think the isolation at home is a lot better than looking out into a foreign country, even though it's America. Um, oh. You know, so, you know, 
we're, we're, we're safe at the moment. Neither of us are, are fluey or anything, and um, we're very keen to follow all of the directions and just do everything right and get home. Yes, what a what a relief that will be, Wayne and Bev. Nice to talk to you, um, and good luck. Keep in touch. Maybe ring us next week. Maybe you'll be home next Sunday, which would be really nice. Well, that would be fantastic. So we'll, we'll be able to ring you from our hotel room or wherever where they put us up. And uh, thanks for listening to us, Mac. It's it's, um, it's just nice to have a bit of Australian. Yeah. Um, it really is. It, um, it, it's been a long time where someone really cared. <laughs> Well, mate, you look up. I think it is getting people down. Yes, well, it does, and and you've got to you've got to take stock. I don't know what I can do this morning, but if you you can listen there, can you listen on your phones or something like that? Your show is the highlight of the week. Believe me, <laughs> be it at home or here, it's just nice. And um, to hear all about Australia, yeah, you know, we still call Australia home. I tell you, what a great song. Yeah, I'll say I'll try and play it for. I'll try and play it for you, Wayne and Bev. Look after you, look after yourselves, and uh, yeah, we're all, we're all with you, and uh, hoping that uh, sooner or later, but hopefully sooner, you're, you're back home, Bev and Wayne. Good on you, good on you both, of you. G'day, Macra. It's Jules from Mount Archer, um, north of Rockhampton. How are you? Uh Jules, I'm great, and what a lovely phone call. What a lovely quality phone. You can tell. <laughs> what what's happening, Jules? I'm, I'm actually hiding in our garage because it's the only way we can get a line out. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, we, we actually face every damn um, tower in for the city of Rockhampton and it interver- interferes with our um, phone service up here. But anyhow, it's lovely to talk to you, Matt. Yeah, you too. I've, speaking, I've, spoken, speaking, I've spoken to you before, haven't I? Oh, too right, yeah. I, I dialed in. Um, I did a bit of a loan trip to India a couple of years ago and then Sri Lanka and then... I did the Fiji Islands and I've done a few American trips. But anyhow, I, I rang in because I was interested in listening to the story of the blackberries and that. Yeah. I... And was relating to what we've we've sort of endured up here for the last couple of years. Tell us. Well, we had the big fires in 2009, you may remember. Yeah. And um, so that, that sort of wiped a lot of the native species out. And I'm talking flora and fauna. And then we, um, we had Cyclone Marsha. And um, what we noticed, not only at Mount Archer, but another property we've got about three hours north of Rockhampton, was absolute devastation with, um, you know, from your little ground lizards and your frogs right through to your birds, just a total absence and a total silence for all those years. Uh, But anyhow, we we had that unseasonal rain in the lead up to the Easter break, and we're just seeing beautiful little clusters of, lorikeets coming back, rosellas, you know, the little tiny birds like you talked about. Yeah. Um, the crows are still prevalent and the currawongs, which, and, you know, they, they can be a bit cruel. The, the little um, yellow scaly green parrots are starting to nest again. So confidence is coming back um, in those sort of species. But it's just beautiful to see. But what's come with that is an increase in the vermin. So the cane toads are ruling. Um, wow. We're seeing weed, absolute weed and lantana override. But, yeah, it's just been an interesting cycle to watch. But um, certainly I was enheartened by what the gentleman said last week and I thought, you know, we've really got to let nature take its course and help it along the way, you know, rather than clear it. So yeah, that yeah. was my hold on it. 
Yeah, well, that's what I think. That's what I think happened, and that's why Blackberries took hold, and they were, and then now they've been sprayed out. And he he's not so dismissive of Blackberries and and Willows, of course. But look, oh, Willows, uh, Willows are a sign of water. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, well, like they. <laughs> Yeah, there's lots of you know, like pepper trees. For God, uh, they're all, yeah. on every farm. They're a pepper tree. They're not a native, but but yeah, yeah. as long as you everything can thrive. I mean, that's the that's the problem. When you when you um, get rid of the blackberries, nothing usually takes its place. So um, no, but no. but but um, yeah, I'm a great believer in. I love the native animals, and there must be a place for all of that sort of stuff. But I don't know how it how it happens in uh, more and more people, more and more land clearing. So I don't know, Jules. Mm. Jill, no, I don't know either maca but like what you know even your little um honey eaters you know those little birds we're starting to see them but what what we're actually seeing more so on our other property is they're building multiple nests and working really hard at finding the safest place to lay those eggs uh-huh. and um you know fingers crossed that you know cyclone marsha was a fair few years ago now so yeah. um hopefully those little species will survive but it's been just beautiful to watch them come back. But, um, I remember when sorry. I spoke to you last time, Jules, you'd just come back from India and you said India gets into your blood and I have to go back. Exactly, exactly. But, oh, you know, my heart's feeling for them now because there's so many people that aren't really on their census um, and they'd just be dying in the streets, Macca, with this um, business with COVID that's happening. Yes. And, um, you know, we don't know the real story of countries like that and well, how we they're suffering we... at the moment. No, and we don't know the real story from when it started in China, do we? We never got the deal, and that's why this thing's gone, should I say, viral? It's viral. Around the <laughs> We're world. We're feeling because it. We don't, mm. we don't know the real um, – you don't know the real um, extent of it at all, yeah. even in Australia. You know, they're the, they're the things because that's all the testing we do, and, 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 and yes. let alone in countries like India, which have got a population of, what, 1.4 or 1.5 billion people, and then yes. China yes. and – who knows, uh, Jules? It's just a time. Uh, I sometimes think that you know when we say uh, people say, "Oh, look, you know the the curve's flattening." I don't think we should say that. I think we should just because you know, people might take their foot off the pedal. Say, "Oh, look, it's all getting better now." I think you just you need to practice your distancing, your physical mm-hmm. distancing, and practice it and practice it and practice it because otherwise, you know, there's no other way to do it. There's no other way. No, no, no. We can't. We can't. Um we just got to be relentless with that. Yes, exactly. I, I'm, I'm actually, um, I work at a, the only girls boarding school in uh, Rockhampton and I heard your speaker before talking about, um, you know, the, the intensivists and how it takes 20 years to train one, how important they are and how important our um, doctors and nurses are. But we've, we've got a situation where we couldn't send some girls home because they were COVID-free and some of our boarders couldn't even get back home. So community have become homestay people for those girls. And, you know, it might be for three weeks, it might be for three months, it might be for three years. We just do not know when these girls will ever get to see their families again. So, you know, the extent of it can be massive, but there's lots of people in the community, um, you know, putting their heart on their sleeves and taking students like we've got in yeah. and um, ensuring that they are safe in this unsafe world at the moment. 
Yeah, Jules, uh, nice to talk to you. We we spoke a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if you heard it, to a, a young um, exchange student in the park in Orange and then her yes. her counterpart in in Germany uh, rang up yes. and we talked to her. Yes. Well, we've yes. had a note from her parents, the um, Renee in Germany, and she said with heavy heart we've had to um, advise Renee to come home because um, I suppose, you know, she's only 16 and to be stuck in a yes. country for... Uh, where you've got no family and stuff, so I think she'll she'll come home. Um, I mean, she might be on her way now. I'm not sure, but um, then she'll isolate, I suppose, for 14 days and then um, be back home amongst the family, which I suppose is good. But all those sort of things are happening in this time. But but um, it'll be a different world when this is finished. Um, but um, yeah, we'll we'll survive and hopefully thrive, Jules. Yep, hopefully a cleaner world, a safer world, and a less greedy world, Maka. Exactly. Good on you, Jules. Mm. I love your okay. fu- I love your phone call. It's so clear and beautiful. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'll just have to stay in my garage then, won't I? <laughs> good, on, good on you. Okay, have a good one, Mac. Welcome back to the real, real clock time. Good on you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. I've had some letters during the week um, from a couple of vets, and uh, one of them's on the line. His name is Brian Munro. Good morning, Brian. Hello, this is Brian Munro from Leeson. How are you, Macca? You're uh, doing a great job. Uh, thanks very much. Um, look, tell me, um, wh- I think it's pretty important, because especially in the days of virus, um, to talk about swine flu. When I was in Tamworth at the start of the year, I spoke to a bloke who's farming in, in uh, China, and um, and I was asking him, you know, I said, what's life like in China? And he said, well, he said, uh, the swine fever's hit pretty hard. He said, 80, they've lost 80% of their herd over there through swine fever. And when Rod Holcomb mentioned, you know, feeding pigs the other day and, and you wrote me a letter and said, well, you don't do that. And tell people why you don't feed scraps to pigs. Well, the problem is that um, food scraps will contain, in very often cases, meat scraps. And any meat scraps um, there can be, that can come from other parts of the, country, uh, the world may contain uh, viruses like uh, African swine fever, which is the one going today, and also foot and mouth disease and another one called Autiski's disease. Um, these viruses remain in the meat products and they uh, can remain there for a very long time, uh, at least a year in some cases. And if those scraps are fed to pigs, then um, that, without being properly uh, treated, or if they contaminate other food scraps like vegetable scraps, then those pigs can then become <clears throat> a source of the infection, and that's how one of these viruses can get into the country. And, of course, the one today is African swine fever. Uh, it's been <clears throat> spreading around the world, and China uh, first started getting severe cases in 2018, and a lot of those losses would have been due to the slaughtering of herds to to um, control the disease. That's what we can't do with um, coronavirus. We can't slaughter out an epicentre, but um, in pigs, they have to slaughter them. And that's what happened in, in China. That's how it started in in China, you think, that by feeding food scraps and stuff to, to uh, yeah, well, herds somewhere? It's been somewhere? spreading. It's, it's, been, um, uh, it's now in most of uh, Asia and also uh, in parts of Europe, uh, Slo- Slovenia, I think, and uh, Slovakia and, and Belgium. And so it's quite widespread through the world at this stage. Uh, But the problem for us is, and also Indonesia, and the problem for us is that in the last few weeks, it's been isolated in um, a town, I think it's called Mendai, in Papua New Guinea. 
And so that's the nearest that we've got. So Australia in about uh, December upgraded and they spent a huge amount of money, $6 million, which has got nothing against what they're doing with coronavirus, but they've upgraded the budget by $6 million to increase the surveillance for these diseases. And we've got a huge, haven't we? I remember as a kid going out to Canamble and places like that in Cobar, we've got a huge sort of feral pig population, haven't we, in Australia? Absolutely. And, um, you know, they cause enormous damage to the sheep industry by uh, destroying lambs and things like that. But um, yes, they can be the source of it as well. So we've got to be very careful. And, you know, one of the risks now is that as uh, people are not flying in, I mean, we've got people at the border security looking at people flying into uh, Australia. People have now got the opportunity of doing things online. And the big uh, worry, of course, is that they'll buying products online that are and they're not acceptable so um dear border oh security has got to watch out for that dear oh dear how's um how's the vet business uh, coping with covid i mean and, and oh it's dealing... struggling uh, everyone's very very concerned um there's all sorts of measures being taken to engage in the foot um the uh what do you call it, distancy? Yeah. I'm in a situation where I'm in my 70s, so I can't even go into my practice now. I, I was um, recovering from an injury, so I was only going in for an hour or so a day, but now I can't even go in and, and check up on them. I have to do it all, all online on by phone. Um, there's all sorts of ways of doing it, and um, they're, I mean, veterinarians are very, very conscious of infectious disease, so they're probably putting up super barriers to prevent their staff and um and their clients from spreading the disease. Brian, it's great to talk to you, and thanks for um, informing us, informing Australia, and you're going around the world. But, uh, yeah, good luck with that, uh, Brian, and, yeah, let's hope we all come through this at the other end. We will. We've just got to keep smiling, I suppose. That's all you can do. Well, this time last year on a cruise in Japan, and uh, it was a great time, and a cruise uh, on the Southern Ocean in November, and now... um, it doesn't look like anyone's going to go cruising for a long time. So well, you know, uh, I feel really sorry for those people. And I really feel sorry for the crew who are now, that those crew members, thank God Australia's sorted things out so that they can safely maybe get back to their own homes as well for the crews. We're all worried about the passengers, but the crews are just as equally at risk. And they've done fantastic jobs in looking after thousands of Australians, Americans, New Zealanders and Brits and things like that. Yeah, it's a war, and um, we've all got to stick together, and hopefully uh, we'll all um, come through it safely and mentally, uh, probably mentally safe as well. That's the thing, isn't it? Good on you, Brian. Mm. Great to talk to you. Thank Thank you very much for your program. That's a pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Bye. But I remember a lady who used to um, write to me. She wrote lovely letters. Her name is Chloe Moella, Um, and uh, and I... uh, Spare me days. I came across a letter. I was looking through it. I think it's from 1990, but come and listen. I, I put this little piece together about Chloe, and it's about Daisy Bates. Daisy Bates, who, um, yeah, anyway, come and uh, have a listen. We've had fabulous correspondence to the program over the years. We still do. But uh, people don't tend to write as much. I talked about it before. People send emails, and but it's usually short. We tend not to have time, I suppose. People used to write me long, lovely letters about all sorts of things. And one such correspondent was from Henley Beach in South Australia. Her name was Chloe, Chloe Moella. Maybe that's Muller. She used to write about all sorts of things. I'll try and find some of her letters because I'm going through our back pages. But this was about Daisy Bates. And if you don't know much about Daisy Bates, you can look her up in all sorts of places. And there's probably books about it. She wrote a book. Have a listen to what Chloe wrote. 
and it's handwriting, so it's a little hard to read. So it's, it looks like it's actually written in a you know an ink and pen and ink, or certainly a fountain pen. Here goes. Dear Macca, you asked for a Daisy Bates story, so here it is from one who admired this diminutive, dainty dynamo. I actually saw her, Adelaide Streets, when a child, and later worked with the remnants of those tribal peoples for over 20 years, in much kinder times when Daisy tramped those red sandhills. Daisy May O'Dwyer, Mrs John Bates legally, Mrs Breaker Morant bigamously. This young Irish journalist arrived in Australia in 1884. She was born in October 1859 in Ballychime, is it? Uh, Tipperary. Time was spent in many states, and she and John Bates established a home in the Ophthalmia Range in northwestern Australia, from where she made the study and care of Aborigines her lifelong crusade and obsession. Following the breakup of her marriage, she worked in and around Perth Ministry and caring for the remnants of the Bibbulmun tribe. But finally, she travelled by ship across the Bight and sat down in the sand hills of Yugila, that's the Aboriginal words for Eucla, with the native peoples of that area and stayed there from 1912 to 1914, pitching her tent in the area at various locations. In 1914, she set off across Delissa's treeless plain. That's the Nullarbor. Delissa was the bloke who first named the Nullarbor the Nullarbor. 450 miles east to west and 250 miles north to south. And at last arrived in 1919 on the northwestern edge at that ancient watering place known to Aborigines from time immemorial and called Yaldikapi or Uldir. Recent archaeological investigations have shown Uldi to be the greatest metropolis or meeting place so far to be discovered in Australia. Coastal and inland tribes from thousands of miles across the great sandy desert from central Australia to the channel country of Queensland met and exchanged stories, songs, implements and ceremonial objects. Now I'll tell you that Chloe's writing this letter just off the top of her head. She knows all about her. She knew of her and loved her. Anyway... Many a time, says Chloe, I've made the trip from Sejuna up the air highway 150 k's to the turn-off to Kelowna Station and on up the stony dirt track, a further 150 k's to Uldee. The same road leads to Maralingalands, a country of mulga scrub, saltbush, low hills, salt lakes, ancient riverbeds, broad plains. In good seasons, a carpet of white paper daisies splashed with the brilliance of wild pinky-red hops or the darker scarlet and black slashes of Sturt's desert pea. In other seasons, stony, stark, dusty, lifeless, broken occasionally by the green sweeping potosporum with its bright orange seed pods. A few years ago, the silver shining roofs of the Fettler's homes beckoned the hot, weary traveller in the heavy, silent, shimmering heat haze. All gone now. Uldi is a collection of steel rail tracks, signals, a sign, a rubbish dump, all evidence of that small railway community completely gone. A memorial to Daisy remains alone by the tracks. Many a night we lay in our swags and could hear from the deep underground the faraway clatter of the oncoming tea and sugar train or the transcontinental coming closer, closer. No wonder the Aborigines thought of it as Gumba, a dragon devil. In 1926, the prehistoric water supply there was destroyed by that diesel railway, by the bore being drilled too deeply. But a mile behind the railway line today, the spirit of Daisy Bates with her fly-whisk hat, her long black skirts, her pure white button-to-the-neck blouse, her heeled boots, her royal umbrella and her white gloves hover over the area, watching, caring, loving her black brothers and sisters 
as she did in person for all those long, hot, weary, work-filled years. There in those hot and dry sandhills, scattered with the stone artefacts of those ancient peoples, one can find their presence, chanting, dancing, singing, living, dying, and over all the spectre of Daisy remains to haunt that hallowed ground. The brilliant red seed pods of the gnarled Uldi Mali burst into plate-sized golden spiky blooms. September's gentle rains bring forth the yellow and white poached egg daisies, along with myriad other blooms on the desert sands. Bicycle lizards, scorpions, hopping mice, mistletoe birds, flights of kilkilgarries, that's budgies, and chattering finches all visit Daisy's camp. At night the great shining planets move across the heavens. At times the evening star hangs low in the scrub, like an eternal campfire, glowing like the mulga coals. The wind sighs and sows through the desert oaks. This was Daisy Bates' land, her life for 27 years. A visit to her grave in the cemetery in North Adelaide shows she died on April the 18th, 1951, aged 92 years. A stone's throw away, a very handsome grey marble memorial given by a grateful government marks the graves of two government officials, Wells and Jones, who tried to find water in that dry, dusty area. In contrast, Daisy's grave is very modest. But for people like me, and for the last of those Yalata Maralinga peoples, Daisy Bates remains a legend, an enigma, an eccentric, but most of all, a woman of vision and humanity. Kabali, the grandmother. And Chloe finished the letter by saying at the bottom, Use what you can, Macca. I couldn't reduce this story, which is still all too little, of the great lady's life story. Regards, Chloe Muller. From, she was from Henley Beach. She's probably not with us anymore. It's uh, Todd ringing here from uh, Baku, Azerbaijan. Baku, that's, that's, a, that's an Aussie word in Azerbaijan. Baku, is that what it's called? Yeah, it's, uh, it's not quite the Aussie uh, Baku. It's uh, up, uh, up, by, up by Russia and uh, on the Turkey border and in between uh, Iran, Turkey and, and Russia. There you go. Todd, what are you doing there? Um, I'm the director of the international school up here, Macca, and uh, we're into into lockdown these days, so everything's uh, operating out of our apartments and and houses here. And so, uh, yeah, it's a bit, a bit of a different way of running a school. Oh, but it is the international school. Tell me about it. So you you have uh, obviously international students there in Azerbaijan. Um, where are they from? All over the world, I suppose, are they? Yeah, they're pretty well all over the world. We have about 17 different nationalities here, but we also cater for, you know, fairly um, high-profile local people. Like we, you know, we have the, we've got the president's grandchild of the school and, and you know, ministers of government and that sort of thing. So uh, at the moment, everybody's, uh, you know, is sitting at home. And, and tomorrow, the actual, or today actually, um, the government has actually come down with some fairly strict uh, regulations now, so we're we're only allowed to go out for one hour a day, and to do that, we actually have to send a text message to a number to a government number, and then they send you wow. back a uh, uh, they send you back a number that says, okay, you've got one hour. So they've got police on the streets here, and so you've got to show your telephone number to say that you've actually been given permission to go out and uh, at shop for one hour, and so uh, that's that's about that's about it at the moment. Gee, isn't it? A- I don't know. It's quite. Um, I was going to ask you how um, you know lockdown was going in Azerbaijan, and that's it, eh? So um, 
I hope it doesn't get to that in Australia. They say that the curve's flattening, but I don't really want to hear that. I want to hear that um, everybody's, you know, because you, once you say to people, oh, things are getting a little bit better, you know, they'll say, oh, well, it's all right now. And it's not all right. This is the most vicious, vicious disease ever and everybody's got to keep their physical distances um i hope we don't have we have got police on the street but i you can still go out and walk and things like that in most of the places in in australia but you can't sit around in parks talking and stuff like that todd no and i i think uh, i think because people weren't taking it serious here and it's a bit i've been following what's happening in australia so when people don't take it serious, then the government actually has to come in and become very serious because at the moment, I think until somebody knows somebody who's actually affected, either they've actually contracted it or they've died, then people are a little bit uh, upbeat, you know, but until somebody, until it hits home and then people don't realise and those countries that have already been, uh, you know, Italy, Spain, that sort of thing, they're really, they're really struggling. But, uh, but we can still run a school, you know, we've got, you know, 600 odd students that, um, you know, through technology these days, we've got people from, you know, teachers teaching, you know, staff from Mexico to islands in, in Thailand to the UK, all over the world, and, uh, and yet we're still able to, to run a school, you know, basically a full-day program such as uh, technology these days. Yeah, well, look, uh, online, who'd have thought that... Um... We're all going to be doing school online, but um, I spoke to David earlier. He's in the middle of Sydney in Mount Druitt, and uh, he's got an ag school. And who'd have thought they'd miss their students? You know what teachers are like? Oh, I've got I've got three A next week, uh, tomorrow, or you know I've got three B at after lunch. You know, and they're dreading students because you know what students can be a handful at times. So that's what they, I'm sure that's what they did when I was going to school. They, oh no, yeah. But um, I, I think they're actually missing the kids. Well, we, we, we miss the students too, but I mean, uh, as somebody said, I think parents are going to find out for the first time it wasn't the teacher. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear, oh dear. So, Toddy, where are you from uh, when you're not in uh, Azerbaijan? Okay, so I'm three hours south of Perth in Western Australia, Macca, in a place called Dunsborough, sort of one of the, the prettier places of, of, of our country. And uh, even though I'm over here, I've been over here for about 13 months now, I was working out in the Great Western Desert with uh, running a, uh, a traditional Aboriginal school before I came up here. And, uh, yeah, so it's just wonderful. You know, I hear everybody saying the same thing. It's great to get a bit of a, a Australian into your, into your household, wherever you live. But uh, certainly great. You know, I, live, I listen to you sort of over here every Sunday, sort of even though we're four hours behind first time here. So it's a bit early now, but it's uh, still wonderful to hear everybody's story around Australia, and you what they're doing. And yeah, uh, sorry, and you said you're on the border with Turkey. Is that right? Yeah, uh, in, in between, sort of, if you had to sort of take Turkey, Iran, and Russia, we're sort of on the Caspian Sea, sort of. Uh, you know, it's an oil, oil-rich um, little part of the world up here, but beautiful, beautiful city. I'd never even heard of it before I actually came here. Mm. And when I was actually asked if I'd be interested in taking over the job, I said, "Well, you fly me over to have a look at it." And I'd never ever heard of it before. But uh, when I got here, I was just surprised. There's certain some places in the world that. Uh, just beautiful places, but we just never heard of them. Uh, so, yeah, Baku is a beautiful place. Thoroughly recommend it. All right. Well, lovely to talk to you, uh, Toddy. And, uh, yeah, keep in touch. Um, you can send us a photo, if you want, of your little school in Azerbaijan.
been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.